So there at the beginning of the notes there, you are far more likely to get in a car accident within five miles of your home than when you are further away. Uh, there may be multiple reasons for this, but one reason certainly is that the most, most of our driving tends to be within that distance. In the same way, most of our conflict happens with those closest to us, those in our home, workplace, school, or church. Because of that, we must learn how to not only reconcile, but also live with those individuals after reconciliation. So that's what today's lesson is about. Right? So just recognizing the, the commonality uh, of uh, those that we have conflict with. So th- think about some of these verses here uh, in terms of how Scripture calls us to live and interact with those that we have um, been in conflict with, those who have sinned against us. We've talked about many of these over time, but just uh, let these... Um, Refresh your memory again. Romans 12, verses 14 to 21, an excerpt there. Bless those who persecute you, and bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Never take your own revenge, but if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Okay, I'm just going to read through these. Matthew 5, 39 to 48. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. Whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Take, or give to him who asks of you, and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Luke 6, 27 and 28. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Philippians 2, 3 to 5. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others, have this attitude in yourselves, which also was in Christ Jesus. And then finally, 1 Peter 2, 13-20, just a couple of lines from that. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect. And those particular commands are in the context of a hostile society, right? Especially when he talks to servants there, he often he goes on to say, not just don't don't just submit to your masters who are good and kind, but even to those who are unjust and evil. So just command after command of when someone hates you, when someone mistreats you, when someone persecutes you, when someone wants to take advantage of you, these are the things that God calls us to do, to love, to pray, to serve, to uh, to minister to all these different ways. As you see in the bullet point there, as we think about how we are to relate to those who've sinned against us, the consistent biblical mindset is that we are to be proactive in loving, caring, and serving them. Proactive. right? Not passive, uh, but proactive. Uh, as we've mentioned from Romans 12 before, uh, in the general section of that first section, of that first passage, um, how Paul says, uh, think about what is right uh, in the sight of all men. Uh, Premeditate as to how you can uh, interact with someone in a way that would cause observers to be like, wow, that was, that was really good. That was really helpful. That was really kind. So that's, that's a, uh, an initial thought is that we are to be proactive. So when you think about, okay, I have someone in my life that uh, is a complicated relationship. It's a, a, a tense relationship. Uh, it's an unpleasant dynamic between the two of us. So we're, we're feeling, or at least I'm feeling, uh, dis- discomfort or uncomfortable around them. What would God have you do? Well, he would have you to be proactive in how you uh, interact with them. Uh, to be loving them, caring for them, praying for them, blessing them, serving them, and so on. 
So in our close relationships, we should not burn bridges, cut ties, cut off communication, disavow, or do anything else that is antithetical to unity and love. This is the primary uh, uh, response that we have in the flesh. Cut them out of our life. If it's uncomfortable, I don't want to talk to them anymore. I don't need them in my life. So I'm just going to uh, ignore them. I'm not going to reach out to them. I'm not going to relate to them. I'm going to avoid them in the hallway. I'm going to go the long way around so I don't even have to say hi to them. Uh, that's our fleshly response to say, I don't want this person in my life. Thank God we've reconciled. I've done what God called me to do, but I don't want to have anything more to do with them. And God says, no, 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 you can't do that. That is not how, especially among believers, and that's generally what we're talking about, that's not how believers relate to one another, because the reality is you're going to spend eternity with them. <laughs> you may not be side by side <laughs> forever on the new earth, but you will be together uh, on the new earth forever. So how about we start now to continue to uh, cultivate a, a loving relationship with our brothers and sisters, even when we've sinned against each other? So when we think about then how should we respond or how should we move forward in this relationship, as it says there, uh, we can't simply think about how to treat someone, uh, but we need to think about how to relate with them. Uh, the key verbs from the above passages are bless, rejoice, weep, feed, give, do good, go, love, pray, regard, look out, submit, and honor. And so some of those you can do to someone, right? You can take them a meal and you know, hand them the meal and go back home. Or you can certainly pray for them you know, in the quietness of your own heart. Uh, you can you know, do some kind deed. But others of them are matters of relationship. Uh, you know, rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Uh, do good. And there's activities of, of goodness and kindness that are done together. Um, when you think about regarding one another as more important than yourself, there's a relationship there of, of exchanging ideas and understanding one another. And so if you take time to think about it, um, these are all things that Christ did uh, for us, right? That while we were his enemies, while we were hostile against him, he came and he lived with us. He tabernacled among us, as it says in John 1. He dwelt among us and he uh, loved us and he cared for us. He provided for us. He obviously met our need uh, supremely at the cross, and yet he did those things with those wh- whom he knew would crucify him, who would reject him, and who would betray him. In fact, think about this. From the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, when he called the disciples, the twelve who would follow him and whom uh, he would invest himself into, uh, he chose Judas Iscariot, right? And... It's interesting how even the Gospels point out uh, when they're listing out the disciples that Jesus chose, uh, they will say, uh, Judas, the one who betrayed him. So they let us know right up front (laughs) that 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 happens. But then on the night that Jesus was betrayed or was about to be betrayed, as Jesus told the disciples, hey, one of you is going to betray me. I think it's amazing that nobody had any inclination to think, I bet it's Judas. Right? Nobody thought, you know, Judas always seems to be the outsider. (laughs) Jesus doesn't seem to talk to Judas as much. Um, You know, as as we're walking from town to town, and, you know, when you got 12 people, and it was always more than 12 people, there would be women and others that that would be going along. But when you got groups of people, you don't just walk like in a big group like that, right? You, you break off into twos and threes and, and just as you're interacting with each other, walking along the way. And, you know, the disciples weren't thinking, you know, I saw Jesus, you know, just have that kind of private, those private conversations with everybody but Judas. He never seemed to do that with Judas, right? They didn't think that at all. They were so unaware of Judas's heart 
And they were so, um, Jesus had so treated Judas uh, that they didn't notice any difference, that they were more willing to each of them consider themselves as the potential betrayer than to consider that Judas might be the betrayer. So for three years, Jesus interacted with, talked to, you know, ministered alongside Judas exactly the same as he did with everybody else. All the while, he knew what Judas was going to do. He knew that Judas's heart was not with him, that Judas uh, was really a false disciple. He knew that the whole time. That's pretty remarkable. Right? How hard would that be for us if not only if we knew, but even they knew that we knew because they've already sinned against us, someone in our life, and maybe it's a coworker that you're having to you know, work alongside every, every day. Um, and yet for us to be able to treat them with the same love and grace and kindness and patience as anybody else uh, that we don't have any awkward situation with. Uh, that, that is what it looks like to be like Christ, right? And that requires spiritual strength. So that, that's the kind of life that we ought to pursue. That it doesn't matter what somebody does uh, in our life. It doesn't matter how they've sinned against me. As far as I am able, I want to relate with them in a way that shows I am not holding this sin against you, right? We talked about that when we talked about forgiveness. That when we're forgiving, one of the promises we're making is that I will not allow this sin to stand between us. So that's really the goal, that we can engage in a relationship with someone in a way that they would never feel from us that tension or that awkwardness, um, that they would uh, be able to perceive from us that we are loving them just as as much as uh, had they never sinned against us. So how do we do that? How do we move in that direction? And again, this is a situation of someone has sinned against us in a way that's made the, the relationship difficult. Well, you see, the first way that we can serve others like Christ is to know the person. To know the person. Uh, Jesus relates to us according to his knowledge of us. Uh, Psalm 78 says, verse 39, Thus he remembered that we were but flesh, a wind that passes and does not return. Right When, when God, of course Jesus is God, when God relates with us, uh, He doesn't treat us like we are just like Him. He, he knows our frame, that we are but dust, it says in other passages. Um, here, That's what it says here in Psalm 103. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear Him. For He Himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. So when, when God interacts with us, when He engages with us, He knows what we're like, and so He He treats us with the sensitivity that we desperately need, right? Because uh, when you think about you know the eternal God of the universe uh, coming to uh, love a sinner such as us, um, we are so small. I always have the picture of space in my mind that if you're looking at the at the globe from space, can you see anybody? I mean, you can't even see anybody if you're 30,000 feet in the air on an airplane. But if you're thinking from space, you know, you can't see anybody. And so, you know, not that God has size as we would conceive of size, but he is immense in, in a manner of speaking. And yet, you know, he treats us with a gentleness and grace as if we were you know, needing to care for some ant or, or some particular bug. You know those, um, I don't know what they're called, but they're, they're teeny tiny little red spiders um, that you know, sometimes they, they hatch and there's a whole bunch of, of these little red spiders. It's like if you touch it, you'll squash it. Like you can't even touch it because you'll squash it. Uh, God is, is gentle with us. He knows what we need. He knows what we struggle with. He knows our tendencies, our strengths, our weaknesses, our comprehension, our maturity. He knows everything about us. And so he, uh, as his spirit ministers to us, he does so on the basis of 
of who we are and where we are in life and our maturity level. And so we then need to engage in reconciled relationships with a growing knowledge of the person. You have 1 Thessalonians 5.14 there. We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with everyone. So as you're trying to live with uh, this person that has sinned against you, but now there's been reconciliation, and you're trying to think, all right, what, what does God call me to do? How, how can I be like Christ to this person? Well, it's not only about what does Christ call you to do in terms of specific actions. It's, well, who is this person? What are they like? What is their uh, maturity level? Uh, what is their character as it is right now? And Paul there in First Thessalonians recognizes at least a couple, three different uh, kinds of situations. And you know, this is, of course, in the context of the church. But he, he notes that there are some who are unruly, some who are rebellious in their heart, and they're, they're not listening to, to counsel. And so those, he says, need to be admonished. There are those who are faint-hearted, those who are discouraged, those who are depressed, and they need to be encouraged, they need to be strengthened, they need to be built up. And then there are those who are weak, uh, who lack strength uh, to do what, uh, what needs to be done. And so you need to help them, you need to come alongside and walk with them. So just transferring that to our general relationships, what is the person like that you need to have a relationship with? Are they a mature person? Uh, are they an immature person? Uh, is there a spiritual maturity or a spiritual immaturity? How can you engage with them in a way that would help them grow, that would uh, help them uh, move forward in the relationship uh, rather than push them away? You know, there are some things you can say to someone uh, who is mature. Like Proverbs says, um, words of rebuke go deeper into the heart of a man of understanding than seven blows into a fool. So if, if the person is a wise person, you can bring words of rebuke or correction or you know, pointing out wrongs, and they will receive that. Uh, but there are others who, if you do that, they, they have a hard time hearing those things because uh, of where they are spiritually. So you just have to know what, what this person is, what their disposition is, to know how can you wisely uh, engage with them. And so the next point there says, we often relate to people with, uh, without taking into consideration who they are right now. We interact with and communicate with everyone the same way, but that is not like Christ. He interacted with the Pharisees, the crowds, individual sinners and sufferers, those seeking to trap him and the disciples differently based on what each needed. Right? So again, if, if you look at the example of Christ, you can read in the Gospels that he did interact with different people differently. The, the woman caught in adultery, um, uh, the tax collectors who were uh, coming to him, like Nicodemus, not Nicodemus, uh, wee little man. Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> uh, but Nicodemus, as a Pharisee, uh, who was, in a sense, seeking, but Jesus spoke very directly to him, right? Not harshly, as if Nicodemus was challenging him, as other Pharisees did, but Jesus spoke very directly to him, you know, saying, how, if you, as a teacher of the law, doesn't get these things, you know, how will, how will others? So anyway, uh, so Jesus interacted with people differently, and so we need, to, we need to do the same. And that's not hypocrisy, that's not, uh, you know, being a different person to different people, presenting yourself differently, that's saying, hey, this person needs a different approach so that I can minister to them, so that they can receive the truth, so that they can be encouraged uh, in, in, in their life. So unlike Christ, we don't have innate knowledge of people, certainly not those we've just met. So we need to take time to think about people. In a relationship where you've been in conflict and experienced reconciliation, you need to, to think about that person. So this is where the proactivity comes in. So, you know, you're sitting at home and you're thinking, man, you know, I just reconciled with this person, but I'm going to see them on Sunday or I'm going to see them at work. And so you start thinking, well, what do I know about this person? What are they like? And here's some, just some questions to, to think through. Uh, what are their tendencies? Uh, what is their communication style? What is their level of life 
and spiritual maturity? What are their strengths and weaknesses? How can you uh, communicate with them in the most effective way? Are they prone to be easily discouraged? Are they prone to jump to conclusions? Do they, take, do they easily take what you say personally? Do they have certain challenges that make life difficult for them? Do they have weaknesses that require a greater amount of patience? Do, you, do they have idiosyncrasies that you have, have to intentionally cover with love? It's just a, a sample list of, of thinking about what is this person like? What is their life like? How can I show the love of Christ uh, and be patient with them and exhibit the, the fruit of the Spirit uh, toward them in light of who they are, where they're at in life, what their circumstances are? And all of those things. Again, some people communicate differently. Some people do really well with verbal communication. Some people prefer email. Some people prefer texting. Uh, and you, you need to know what that person, uh, what would be helpful for that person. You know, if um, there are there are those uh, who don't do email very much. And there are some of us who like that you live on email, <laughs> right? And so if that person doesn't uh, spend much time on email, then maybe that's not the best way to communicate with them. And so just thinking about uh, where that person is in life, you know, what are their challenges? You know, there are, are many who have chronic uh, pain, chronic sicknesses, or maybe they're, they're a caretaker for somebody else. And so, you know, you, you're a, a late um, late night person and you know it's 10 o'clock for you and you're thinking oh let me text this person to you know say hello or whatever and and they're like dead tired because they've been caring for somebody all night after work so just be thinking about that person and how can i make sure i interact with them in a way that's helpful uh, for them where they're where they're at in life all these things should affect how you love care and serve the person so know the person that's that's the first point you need to know the person. Secondly, uh, practice godly listening and speaking. Practice godly listening and speaking. Proverbs, eight, Proverbs eighteen thirteen says, "He who gives an answer before he hears it is folly and shame to him." That's a, a good verse to really guide your your interactions. I quote that to almost everybody I meet with in a counseling session the first time, uh, and and it's just a reminder how easily we tend to. Uh, be listening uh, or be, be hearing for the purpose of responding. All right? we, we don't tend to listen well. We tend to be thinking about how can I respond? You know, when is this person going to stop talking so I can respond back to them? <laughs> when we should be listening to understand. You know, what, what are they trying to say? What are they trying to communicate? What questions do I need to ask to get clarification? How can I listen well and make sure that I'm hearing what they're saying? James 1.19, this you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Isn't it true that sometimes when we've had sin in a relationship, uh, conflict, that it's more difficult to be quick to listen and slow to speak, slow to anger? We often tend to have a shorter fuse with someone who has sinned against us in the past. We're less patient with them, but the reality is we need to have patience with them, have more patience even. Or Ephesians 4.29, let no unwholesome word proceed out out of your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. That verse is saying uh, that what we say should not be unwholesome, which is destructive. It should not tear the person down. It shouldn't uh, discourage them. Rather, it should be edifying, it should be building up, it should be strengthening them. And he says, according to the need of the moment. So you have to think about, is this moment a good time to say something? Or what do they need to hear in this moment? You know, sometimes you need to, to uh, do bring a word of correction or confrontation, even in a re- reconciled relationship because of other things that, that are going on. But you need to think, is this the moment for that? right when they come in from their long day of work or right when, you know, there's something else going on in their life that they're discouraged about? Do you want to, is it wise to pile on when they're not feeling well? Or should you wait for another moment that would be more helpful or they would be more receptive? Again, those are things we need to be proactively thinking about. How, how can I speak? And if I need to say something that's difficult, something that might be harder to receive, 
what's the context that would be most appropriate for me to say that? Uh, Colossians 4.6, Let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. So the words that we say, he's saying, should be tasty. They should be flavorful, and, and so that when the person hears them, the desire would be that, that they would be like, wow, that was, that was really helpful. I really appreciated how they said this to me. Uh, that was really encouraging. So practice godly listening and speaking. Uh, number three, work, through, uh, work together with mutual understanding to solve problems. Work together with mutual understanding to solve problems. And this then recognizes that sometimes we can be reconciled in a relationship. We've confessed and repented and forgiven sin that's taken place, but there's still problems. Like there's still problems that need to be solved. There's still decisions that need to be made. Uh, and so how, how do you move forward? Well, you got to work together. You can't, uh, you know, if, if there was a fight that happened because of the, a decision that you couldn't agree on, and you've reconciled with that, don't do it again, <laughs> right? You got you to gotta move forward in a helpful way. So how do you do that? Well, in most conflicts, the difference of opinion can be handled just by one person preferring the other person. You know, in, instead of sinning against each other and how you argue about something, uh, many times you can be the one to defer and say, you know what, let's just go with your preference. Uh, that's Philippians 2, 3 to 4, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. All right? So is it something that you yourself can just let go of your own preference and say, well, tell you what, let's just, let's just do what, what you prefer. Or Romans 15.1, Now we who are strong ought to bear with the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. So can we be the ones to to not please ourselves and say, you know what, this is not worth arguing about. I care more about you than than getting what I want in this situation. So I'm just going to let go and uh, I want to do what you want to do because that would be best for our relationship. You see Romans 12 there, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Now, Ephesians 4, excuse me, 5.21 to 6.9, where it says, be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. There are times when uh, we are the person that we're you know, needing to solve a problem with or make a decision. Uh, there's a relationship dynamic of leadership and submission. So in that broader context, the three kinds of relationships are husband and wives, parents and children, and masters and slaves. And so if you are in the uh, more of the submissive side of that relationship, uh, it would be appropriate uh, for you to say, you know what, you know, you're, you're the leader, you're the head of the home, you're my mom or my dad, uh, you're my employer, um, you know, I'm, I'll submit to whatever, whatever you say, whatever you think is best. Now, on the flip side, sometimes the one who's in the leadership position uh, can humble themselves and say, you know what, uh, I know that I have the right, <laughs> I have the authority to, to have my way in this situation, but you know, I want to do what is best for you. I want to encourage you, and so let's, let's go with your preference. So sometimes we need to think about, are there opportunities for, for us to set aside even our own uh, God-given uh, place of, of leadership for the benefit of the other person, right? That's what that's what Christ-like uh, love and in the context of leadership is. It's laying your life down for the benefit of of others. So uh, you can think about that. Is is your relationship such that either you're in the submissive role and and you give preference, or or you recognize the the authority and the uh, the leadership of the other person, or you're in the leadership role and you give yourself up. Uh, you deny your own desires for the benefit of the other person. So, um, you know, that, that can be all kinds of things. And, and here's where it gets really difficult is if this is a, a regular relationship, like a husband wife relationship, 
and you feel like you're always the one that's giving up your preferences. <laughs> and so it's like, man, do I always have to be the one? I, I never get my way. Right? We're always doing it the way that he or she or whatever uh, wants it. And the reality is that that might be the case. It might be that in this relationship, God calls you to lay down your life, to lay down your preferences, uh, and do that as opposed to sinning against God, uh, perpetuating conflict with the other person. Uh, It is better to not get your way than to fight for your way, right? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be defrauded? They're talking about believers taking each other to court. Even in situations like that, where there's an actual wrong, where you actually are being taken advantage of. Remember what Jesus said, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone wants you to go one mile, go with them too. If they want to take your, uh, your cloak, give them your shirt as well. That's the kind of radical um, sacrifice that Christ calls us to. Now, thankfully, nobody ever does that, right? I don't think anybody's ever asked you for your coat. You know, like, well, here, let me give you my shirt too, <laughs> right? There, there's, there's a sense of hyperbole there, but there's a mentality that is, that is accurate of what Jesus is trying to convey. You know, too often, though, our, in our own flesh, we're just like, I just, but this isn't one of those kind of situations, <laughs> Right? This is not the kind of thing that, that God would want me to give up. Well, certainly if it's a matter of truth, if it's a matter of morality, right. God wouldn't have us to sin against Him for the sake of the other person. But if it's, if it's a preference, if it's a possession, if it's a, a you know, way of spending money, that wouldn't be your preference. If it's a, um, you know, where to go on vacation or you know, how to spend your time. There's all kinds of things that we can give up even though it is very, very difficult um, for, the, for the sake of uh, imitating Christ. So that's a lot of situations where we can just give up our preferences. And if there's a decision that needs to be made, we just say, let's go with what, what you desire. But there are some decisions, there are some problems that, that um, it would be wise to actually have a discussion and and come up with a mutually agreeable solution. And so that's where this problem-solving tool comes in that you have there in the notes. This issue, position, interest model for solving problems. This is uh, not scripture, right? As you look on this page and to the end of the, of the notes, there's no scripture. So this is not, hey, thus says the Lord, here's how you solve problems. Uh, this is, I think Ken Sandy came up with this, uh, this is a one man's suggestion of a practical way to work together to solving a problem. And I think it, it's helpful and it fulfills certainly the biblical principles of loving one another well. So let me walk through the process and, um, and we'll go from there. So the, the first thing we need to do is define the terms. Again, it's issue, position, interest. You could call it the IPI model of problem solving. The issue is a question which the final position answers. So the issue is a question. Uh, You could state the the problem in, in terms of a statement, like we don't agree about what we should do, you know, with the dog or what, you know, where we should go on vacation. But it's helpful to state it as a question. And so you have some sample things there just for the sake of illustration. How should we educate our kids? Instead of saying, you know, we, we are always fighting about this issue. Well, put in a question. How should we educate our kids? Where should we go on vacation? Which home should we buy? Whatever the, the problem is that, that can produce conflict or arguments uh, or intense discussions, put it in the, in the form of a question. The position is each individual's preferred solution to that issue. It's, it's your own personal answer to that question. Well, I think we should homeschool, or I think we should do private school or public school, uh, or I think we should go to Florida. No, 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 I think we should go to Alaska. That's the position that each individual has, their answer to the issue. 
Or you see there, I want the home on Easy Street. I just want to move right in and live. I don't want to have to do any work. Or I want the home on Renovation Avenue, right? I want to make this our home. <laughs> I, want the, I want this just to be customized for us. So again, the position is the answer, each individual's answer to the question of the issue. Th- those are pretty simple to identify, you know, what, what the issue is and what each person's answer to the question is. And that's where we tend to stop, in, you know, and that's what leads to fights. Is this, I want to do this? No, I think we should do that. Well, no, I think we should do this. No, I think we should do that. And you just fight, you know, on that level of the, of the position. The interest then helps us to go a, a layer deeper to understand what is motivating our position. What, what, is, uh, what are the reasons that we have the position that we have? What are the desires that are driving our position? So someone who says, you know, I, I want to homeschool might say, I want to teach my children. Or they might have a different explanation. You know, I, I want to provide a better education for my kids than they might get at the public school. Or, or if they want to do the public school, you know, I want to have, I want to have a certain education standard. And I don't, I don't think that we're able to provide that in the home. Or I don't think that, you know, I want to put them in this public, or excuse me, this private school because I don't think the public school. You know, so there's going to be motivations that will explain the position on that issue. Or for the uh, vacation. You know, someone wants to go to Florida because they want to go to the beach. Or someone wants to go to Alaska because they want to see snow. They want to, you know, do their cross-country skiing or whatever else. Uh, Or on the uh, home situation, uh, they want to live on Easy Street because they just want somewhere to live. They don't care what the house looks like. They don't care about the square footage. They don't care about, you know, the the orientation of the home or anything. They just just want to have somewhere where they can lay their head at night and a roof over the head and that's it. Or again, the, someone might say, no, no, I want to make this our home. You know, I've always wanted this kind of a set, set up and layout and all these things. And so I want us to be able to customize it for us. So again, understanding the interests, uh, understanding the desires, the motivations that drive the positions that each person has. Now, each of these things, these things the issue, the position, or the interests are not uh, things to argue about. They're just statements of personal perspective. Maybe the issue would be one thing that you narrow down, but that's usually pretty easy, uh, the question that, that you're trying to answer. But otherwise, it's just, well, here's what I think, and here's why I think it. And, you know, you don't argue about, well, that's dumb. <laughs> that's, a dumb that's a dumb thing to think, or that's a dumb thing to want, right? That, that's not the point. Of, the point is not to evaluate our desires or evaluate the solutions. The point is just to identify them. So I would suggest that if, if you use this model, that you sit down with the other person and you write, write it out, that you write out what is the question we're trying to answer, what are the positions that each of us have, and, what, and then walk through the motivations of why you think that way. And just of your own position, not evaluating the other person's position. So these are just stating your own perspective. This, there's not an evaluation until after you've walked through this process. Right? So there's no argument, no fighting. It's just we're just putting everything on paper. So all we're doing, another way to say it, is we're listening. We're listening to the other person. We're trying to understand their mind, their thinking, their perspective. And so once you have that on paper, you should be able to articulate to each other your own thoughts or each other's thoughts. What you're saying is you think we should do this because of these reasons. Yes, that's, that's exactly what I'm thinking. Okay. Uh, you might be thinking, I, yeah, I don't understand that. <laughs> that makes no sense to me. You might be thinking that, but don't say that. Because <laughs> that's just going to lead to argument. So, so those are the three main points. Uh, uh, terms, just putting information on paper that will help make a decision. And then with the ultimate goal is to find a final position which satisfies the most amount of interests, therefore solving the issue. That's the goal. Uh, it, the final position or the goal might be one of the original positions that once you understand the, the motivations uh, for each position, excuse me, that 
one or both of you would just readily recognize, oh, well, that makes sense. Now that I understand your reasoning, yes, you're right. That is the best option. Or if once you walk through the process, then you come up with a third solution that you hadn't thought about that satisfies the, the uh, desires and interests that are there. All right. So with those definitions in mind, the process is simple but not necessarily easy to follow. The key to the process is humility and a commitment to listen and understand the other party. Uh, This is a cooperative approach to decision-making, not a competitive approach. Uh, You are cooperating together. You're working together. You're loving each other by listening well, humbling yourself, not not judging the other person, but you're listening and you're loving them and you're, you're wanting to affirm that they are a reasonable, rational person who has reasons for the things that they think. And so you're just wanting to understand their mind. And so you have to have that commitment before you get started in this process. So, as I mentioned earlier, write down each step so that they are concrete and mutually understood. So, work together, first of all, in the process to identify the issue. Agree on the single question that that can be asked. And if the issue is more complicated, there's multiple dynamics to it, you know, you might have to have uh, separate questions that you answer each in turn. But you want to answer just one question at a time. Uh, for the sake of clarity and simplicity. And then you want to identify each other's uh, position. So take care to ensure you fully understand each other's position and that there aren't any presumptions or assumptions involved. Right? And sometimes one of the reasons we fight is because we're actually not even listening to what they're saying. We don't even know what their solution, their their proposed solution to to the problem is. We just think we know what it is. And that's why we fight, because we keep saying, well, this is what your solution is. And I'm like, no, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I've, I've said before. So make sure that you're understanding each other's position. So this can be done by stating one's position as fully as possible. And then the uh, other person reflecting the position back. So you know, I would say my position is that we should go to Florida. And then you would say, what I'm hearing you say is that your position is that we should go to Florida. You know, something like that. And then while reflecting back to each other uh, may sound tedious, it significantly decreases the opportunity for miscommunication, right? So again, the whole goal of this is working together, cooperating, finding a solution. So even if it seems tedious or silly or unnecessary, uh, do whatever can be done to decrease miscommunication, foster good listening, And then that last part is critical. Slow down the process to reduce emotional spikes. Because my guess is if you're walking through this process, if you actually apply this, you're doing it because you've already sinned against each other in a previous argument on this issue. (laughs) So this helps to slow things down so that we're communicating effectively so that we don't get all riled up emotionally and, and break down communication. So identify each other's position. Number three, identify the interests that lead to each person's position. So finish statements like the reason I think we should do this is because or what I want to accomplish is or this will help us by those kinds of statements that look at the different dimensions and the different facets of one's motivations. And again, at this point, you're just explaining your own position. You're not evaluating the other person's position. So you don't say, the reason I don't think your answer is the right one is because this is not the time for that. This is just explaining your own interests in this situation, your own uh, desires, motivations, uh, and reasoning for your own position. And so as with positions, make sure that you're understanding each other's interests and communicating those effectively. All right, so now all of that has been written down. There's been clear communication, and you're both on the same page in terms of understanding each other. You may still may not be disagreeing, or sorry, you may not be agreeing, but you're understanding each other. And usually by that point, uh, you've already gone further 
uh, in the discussion than you ever have before, just because now you actually are uh, understanding each other's uh, thinking. So now it's time to begin considering the final position that will satisfy both parties. So as you see there, having worked through identifying positions and interests, it's possible that one party will realize they lacked information that now helps them easily accept the other person's position. You know, like, oh, I didn't realize it would cost, you know, $300,000 to renovate that house. We can't afford that, so I guess that's not going to be one of the options. Or, you know, some the cost of some vacation, that, that was the dream vacation, but okay, we can't afford that, so it, that has to be taken off the table. So sometimes just the additional understanding of each other's interests and motivations will provide more information that either remove things off the table uh, or clarify um, clarify the other person's reasoning. That's the next point there. Sometimes the lack of willingness to prefer the other person is based on a wrong assumption about the other person's interests and working through them opens the way to preferring the other person. Right, so there's that example there. I thought you hated my parents, and that's why you didn't want to visit them for Christmas. Right? No, no, no. <laughs> but now I see your reasoning, uh, that, and it makes sense to visit them in the summer or in the winter. You know, it's not that you hate my parents, it's you hate 10 feet of snow. <laughs> right? uh, and so, again, just working through each other's interests can help bring clarity and understanding and, and work and work through those things, and then may, maybe again the solution becomes obvious just by having done that. And then sometimes understanding each other's interests will reveal alternative positions that would easily accommodate both parties. Right. So maybe there's a you know using the homeschool option. There's a homeschool tutorial where there's a combination of homeschool and and uh, you know teachers and other students involved and, and whatnot. Or going on vacation to a place where it has access to the beach and access to the mountains, you know, within a reasonable distance. You know, those kinds of, of things. Uh, or, you know, whatever the issue is, there might be some third option or multiple other options that come to the foreground as, as possible things that hadn't been considered. But now that you understand each other's interests and motivations and desires, then you can think more creatively. It's also possible that more investigation is needed before you can move forward. That you realize, okay, now that we kind of understand each other's minds, maybe both of our desires are off the table. And so now we've got to do some more research to figure out what, what are options that would meet our interests. And so uh, you can just, you know, in a sense, pause the process uh, to do research and come back later to, uh, to figure out what might be a solution. But the goal, again, of all of that is to come to a final uh, position, a, a, a goal of answering the question that, that is the issue. And so once you've done that, then you've had this experience of communicating effectively, listening to each other, affirming what you're hearing from each other, uh, and understanding and loving each other in that way. And so you can take a moment, not just to say, yes, we've agreed, we've come to the solutions, great, let's move on. But you can also pause and thank the Lord for helping you to work through that. So the closing statement there, all of our relationships should be characterized by peace, unity, harmony, and love. As we said at the beginning of this class, a reconciled relationship should be stronger than the one that hasn't weathered any storms. And so if that's true for you, if that isn't true for you, consider how you can serve the other individual and even repeat your efforts if, if you haven't been treating them like Christ. All right, just kind of ran through all of that uh, quickly. Um, but any, any particular thoughts or comments? Um, I know one couple that used this process to figure out where to be buried. You can imagine that would be, if you're, if you're disagreeing, that could be an emotional decision. Not that you'll care after you're dead, but, um, but you know, as you anticipate that, you know, thinking about, you know, where, where your tombstone, how did it come up? Well, a couple that is planning for their future and saying, hey, we got to talk about what, you know, what we're going to do and, uh, and all of that. And, and they disagreed on where they wanted to be buried. And so they walk through this process and they're still alive, but uh, they've, they've decided and, and they were. You know, I just never disagree. I just, 
Either that or I just say, whatever you want, honey. Just whatever you want. Uh, no, I haven't. I haven't, personally. But it's certainly been in my mind. I'm trying to think if I've helped worked with others in a mediation process to use. I, I haven't walked through this process uh, formally, but there have been times where I've served as a mediator where this is the idea of it, you know, trying to understand and listen to each other. Because often when parties are in conflict and they need someone to mediate, they're talking past each other. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, and so I'll meet with them individually and kind of hear their own thoughts. And I'm thinking, if they could just talk to each other and understand each other, they'll realize they're maybe not even all that far off from each other. Uh, so I, in a sense, I've practiced it in, uh, in more of the mediation context. But So here's an example that sounds silly, but I know I've worked with couples that like fight over this kind of thing. So you're driving down the road and you have a difference of opinion on how to get to your destination. <laughs> and, you know, the, the husband who's driving is thinking one way. And his wife is thinking, no, 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 we should go another way. That would be faster or whatever. And so he misses the exit that the wife is thinking they should have gone on. And you can reverse roles if you want. It doesn't matter which is which. And so they fight about what way is the fastest way. <laughs> it's like it's, you know, in your, in, when you're in your right mind, you're thinking that is the most ridiculous thing in the world. As long as you get to the destination, you know, who cares? But that's the kind of thing that, you know, sometimes we can just prefer the other person and say, you know, what, what, whatever way you want to go is fine. Um, you know, so things where, where it's the long-term consequences, for sure, where the long-term consequences are irrelevant, like there are no long-term consequences, you know, let's just do what you want. But, you know, even in situations where there are long-term consequences... <laughs> Sometimes we can lay down our life uh, and say, I'm concerned about the long-term consequences, but I will either trust you, know, you and your preference, or uh, I'm going to trust the Lord you know, with that. And that could be you know, where, where to live. Uh, it could be a, a job to take, whether or not to take a job. Uh, it, it could be uh, where to send your kids to school. Uh, there's all kinds of things that are very significant uh, decisions that have an impact on our lives. But um, when we think in the context of eternity, we re- realize, you know what, this is, this, is not, this is not a life or death situation. And so even though I do think it would be better to do this, I'm just going to trust the Lord and die to myself and support you know, th- this other direction. You know, that could be at work. Uh, of some project that you think thinks should be done a certain way, you know somebody else thinks should be done a, another way, and you know you have the conversation to explain your reasoning, but ultimately, you know you say, but whatever you think is is best, whatever. Um, but I'll make sure that everybody knows it was your way. And if it fails, <laughs> no, 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 don't do that. Um, so yeah, um, does that help? I mean, it's, there's so many situations. I'm just trying to think of a variety of things. But let me just say one more thing. We sh- we should probably defer a whole lot more than we ever think we should. <laughs> right? Yeah, Rebecca. Oh, I, I just have an example. Good. Okay. All right. Um, so we were at Harper's Ferry, and there, the bus comes along every so often to take you back up to the parking lot. And so we met, we just missed the bus, or there wasn't enough room on there. And so Son loves to walk, and I'm like, well, we could just wait for the next bus. It's coming like in ten minutes. And so then, um, so that we're like, I was like, you know what? I, I'm gonna fall. I was just following my husband. I'm gonna do, do what he wants. And and so we start walking, and it's a lot longer. Than of course, you continue. I should have. It worked out. It worked out. But anyway, so then I put out my GPS, like, wait, so how far do we have to go? And I put the wrong destination on my phone. So it was like like this long way. Like we're walking uphill and and I'm just like and I think I sort of responded 
okay. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think I was that bad. But anyway, <laughs> so we keep walking and walking, and finally I realize I have the wrong destination, and so I fix it, and it's, like, not that far. And so we get to the final destination, and it, it we had a nice walk, and it was okay. And so I'm glad I didn't, like, like, get all upset because I could have, like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Lord works it out for good, yes. is what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, and and so... When it works out for good and we feel the good, then we're like, oh, well, you know, Lord, forgive me for having a you know, resistant heart. But, hey, praise the Lord, everything worked out well. But it doesn't always work out that way, does it? <laughs> sure doesn't. <laughs> Especially with that, um, the driving. Um... <laughs> Are you about to share an example here? Yes. It was a family trip to a family Yeah, we were going on a family trip to... From Virginia to um, New Jersey. So I was in college at the time, so I came from Greensboro, North Carolina to Virginia to meet my parents, and then we drove to Virginia, I mean, drove to uh, New Jersey. My father doesn't like to follow directions, and he lives (laughs) in a um, a rural area. So he goes by um, like pine trees and the old barn that was burned down. And I, you know, I said, you know, where you live, that works. But other areas, you know, if the barn burned down, they probably just removed it from the property. <laughs> so you can't use that as a landmark anymore. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. he just uses objects and, mm-hmm. you know, trees and, I'm mm-hmm. like, oh my goodness, just follow the directions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it took us a little bit longer to get there, but we did we did make it. Yeah. yeah. So the good thing is we had food with us, so that <laughs> you survived. Food a little bit. You, you know, survived. Fried chicken and you know. <laughs> I know it altered my mood. <laughs> uh, but do think about this: uh, there are times where we defer and things go really poorly. You lose a whole lot of money. You, you know, you get into a house that turns out to be a disaster. Uh, you get a job and, you know, it's, it's not what you thought it was going to be. Uh, so many situations where, it, I mean, it just, it goes horribly, horribly wrong. And what's the temptation? I told you so. I told you so. And, and it's not just, oh, I told you so, honey, right? It's, I told you so, you know, it's, it's anger, anger at the person uh, for, you know, their, you know, whatever you might attribute their foolishness or their impulsivity or whatever it might be. So that's where, again, the humility and trusting in the Lord is so critical to say, when you defer to say, Lord, this is in your hands, you know, we're going to go with this preference that I, you know, I don't prefer. Maybe I don't even think is the right decision, but I'm going to trust you. And that even if things go horribly wrong, um, this is in your hands and you will ultimately use it for good. Even if we go through some difficult, hard times. And, um, and so then if, if things do go horribly wrong, uh, that's not a time to, to get angry and, and, and to blame the other person. That's, just that's when you say, all right, well, we made this decision together. We agreed together to, to move forward in this direction. So let's trust the Lord together uh, with these hardships and difficulties. Uh, because what our tendency is, is to say, if something goes horribly wrong, then the decision was the wrong decision, which is not the right way to think about it. It could have been the, the, the best decision you possibly could have made, but God's purposes are such that, it brought suffering. And so, you know, just one, uh, I don't know how common, but one example that should be clear is a couple's decision to say, you know what, we're going to forsake our lives here. We're going to go on the mission field. And you go on the mission field and your spouse is killed by, you know, the people that you're trying to minister to. You know, God, I thought, you know, we gave our lives up. You know, why, why did you let this happen? You didn't make the wrong decision. That's just God's purpose in that in that situation. And so we have to have our hearts ready. Whatever the decision is, whether we wholeheartedly affirm it or whether we're just uh, giving up our, our desires to prefer the other person, we have to be ready to just trust the Lord with what's going to happen. 
big or small, you know, whether it takes longer in the in the car or longer walk or whatever, um, to to trust the Lord's faithfulness to us in that situation. He'll provide. He'll care for us. Whatever happens. Yeah, yeah, and that's the last sub point there. Do they have idiosyncrasies that you need to intentionally cover or maybe compensate for? <laughs> right? That's good. That's a good example of that. All right. Well, let me pray.